Two weeks ago, I started on a a semi-series that that I knew we would take a little while to get through, and there's no rush to try to get through all of this. If you were not here two weeks ago, then I want to go back just for the next few minutes and bring you up to speed to what we were talking about and the verses that we were using two weeks ago. So if you were here, this is going to be just a kind of a refresher and a reminder. If you were not here, then it's going to catch you up, but you're going to have to stay with me and move along real quickly here. And if you would like, you can go to the church website, verticalchurchco.com, and you can go to uh, the media link that is there. And Holly and Barry always or have been recently uploading the sermons from Sunday. So you can go there and you can hear the message from two weeks ago that will catch you up to speed if you want to hear it in its entirety rather than just me hitting the highlights over the next few moments. So it's easy to get to. Go to the church website, look for the media link, and uh, there's all kinds of messages there from the last couple of months. And the one from two weeks ago is there, and you can listen to that and get the full, the full deal. So today I am uh, reading out of Matthew, the 16th chapter. Matthew 16 and verse number Six. I'm going to read down through several verses, so, so stay with me. Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. I want you to see what's happening here. Jesus is warning His disciples, Take heed and beware. He cautioned about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And his disciples started reasoning among themselves. They they were saying, Jesus is saying this because we didn't bring bread to the party. We we didn't bring bread to the meeting. And there's an issue here. And because we didn't bring bread, then Jesus is talking about leaven and, and, and it being a dangerous thing with the Pharisees and Sadducees. When Jesus perceived that they they were missing the point, He wasn't talking about bread necessarily. He wasn't talking about or, or reprimanding them because they didn't bring bread. When Jesus saw that they were kind of confused, He said to them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Why do you think that we're having this conversation? You think it's because you didn't bring bread and I, and I, and I want to address this? He's getting down to where they're really living. Do you not understand? Do you not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up. Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you took up. He said, do, do you not remember the miracle that was done with with the loaves and fishes? Do you not remember how many people were fed with a little boy's lunch and and after the fact, you went through the crowd and you gathered up baskets, literally baskets full of fragments that were left over. There was more left over than what we began with. He said, do you not remember that, that, that I don't have a problem providing bread? If it's a bread issue, I can handle that. Yeah, he's, and, and Jesus is trying to, you know, he's knocking on them. McFly, McFly, hey, McFly. Like, 
This is not about bread. I can handle bread stuff. So do you not not remember these things? How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread? He said, how are you not getting this that it's not about bread? That you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Then understood they how that he bade them uh, to not be to beware of the leaven of, of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So all of a sudden it dawns on them that Jesus was not talking about physical bread, but he was talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And I talked quite a bit about this and, and extensively two weeks ago from this perspective that Jesus used leaven, the terminology of leaven, in, in addressing them because leaven, it only takes a little bit of leaven to affect the entire lump. It, it only takes a little bit of leaven to make a difference in the whole loaf, if you will, of bread. And so Jesus was, now we see them responding. Oh, He's talking about doctrine. He's talking about doctrine. It's it, that a little bit of doctrine can affect everything. That, that a little bit of doctrine can affect the entire loaf, not, not just a little bit. And so he was saying to them, be careful that you don't buy in to the little bit of stuff that the Pharisees and Sadducees are promoting as doctrine because ultimately it will affect you entirely, not just one part of your life. So... What we find here is that Jesus was addressing a doctrinal issue. Okay? He was, he was talking about doctrine. And then we went on to 2 Timothy 3.16. It talks about all scriptures given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. The Word of God, when it is uh, a part of your life and when it becomes a part of your life, it will, as, as Paul wrote to Timothy, it will cause you to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. When people come and say, well, I don't know how to live, and I, I don't know what decision to make, and I'm not sure which direction to go, and, and that's okay, because without this in our life, we're kind of aimlessly wandering around and hoping we get some stuff right and hoping we land on the right thing, but there's no assurity there, there's no promise there, we, we can't find security there. But when we get into the Word of God through, as he said, the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, that when you get this, a little bit of this in your life, it will affect every part of your life. And it will, it will furnish you unto all good works. Well, I don't know how to live. That's okay. When you get this in your life, it will begin to train and teach and lead and guide and help you to live in a good way. 
that is not just approved by a peer or or you receive accolades through someone, a family member, but good works in the eyes of God. What pleases God. If I allow this to get in my life, it will cause me to begin to live in a way that God is pleased with my life. So we talked about all of those things and I'm going to move on uh, quickly here. It's the inspired Word of God and it reveals right doctrine. If you want to know what right doctrine is, then study the Word of God. He's saying, don't believe the doctrine of the Pharisees. Don't believe the doctrine of the Sadducees. Don't buy into that because it will affect everything. We have to buy into this and it will uh, affect our lives in a positive way. So let's go back here to um, uh, where we proceeded on to in our text. When Jesus came, this is immediately after the bread, immediately after the bread conversation, all right? Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, am, I the Son of Man, am? He said, who, who are people saying that I am? And they said, Some say thou art uh, John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter said, answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." So he goes straight from this conversation in the text here of an issue of doctrine and bread and all of that to talking to them about who do do people say that I am? And they named several of the prophets. They said, well, you know, some say John the Baptist and some say Elias, some say Jeremiah. They they say all kinds of things. That you're you're one of these uh, infamous people that's come back to life. And he said, well, that's... That's who they are saying, and and they're kind of at a distance from me, but you're with me every day, and you've seen this up close. Who do you say that I am? Do you even have a clue who I am? And Peter said, well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, man, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Somebody didn't just teach you this. This didn't come from flesh and blood. You went to a class and they said, this is who he is and you just accept it. He said, but my Father which is in heaven, he's revealed this to you. You know who I am. And then he goes into this uh, declaration that it's upon this rock that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And whatever, I'm going to give you keys, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so, in this conversation that we're, we're, we're flowing through here, we see that Jesus takes personal responsibility. He uses the personal pronoun, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against this. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do. The enemy cannot 
stop, destroy, hinder the church that I will build because I will build it, he said, upon this rock. What rock? What what rock was he talking about? The rock that Jesus was talking about was not Peter. Okay? There are some that will say, oh, he was talking about Peter. And, 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 and Peter was just, uh, you know, his name ultimately was changed by the Lord, but he was a small stone, and it was upon this man because he, he identified who Jesus was, that the church was going to be built on Peter. That's not what the Bible says. What Jesus said he would build his church upon was the revelation of who he was. He said, Peter, you answered the question right. And, and that question was, who am I? And you said, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And he said, yes, that didn't come from man. That came from my father in heaven. He revealed it to you. And upon this revelation of who I am, I will build my church. So it's, it's, it's literally life-changing for you and I when we come to a revelation, we come to an understanding of who he is. It literally changes everything about our life. He's not just a prophet come back from the dead. He's not just like any ordinary man. It's not just, and you can list the the, the names of people who uh, seem to be the founders and leaders of prominent religions in our world today. And you go back to names and that Jesus was much more than all of that. He wasn't just a man filling a space in time and, and a figure in history somewhere, but He was literally the Son of the living God. He was God manifest in the flesh. And Peter said, I know who you are. And Jesus said, you're exactly right. And a Upon this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against that. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Everybody say, I will build my church. Okay. Uh, I think Bobby, you asked me, where are we going to start, Pastor? And this morning she said, okay, Pastor, where are we going to start this week? And I said, you still have the verses from two weeks ago. I still have the verses from two weeks ago. And I said, we're going to start where we left off. (laughs) And she laughed at me. So this is where we left off two weeks ago, all right? He said, I will build my church. Now, a quick question for you is, what do you think the material is that he works with to build the church? Anybody? Us, people. Thank you, Matt. That's why Matt preached last week. (laughs) We're we're the material, okay? He doesn't go source material from uh, a local building supply place. The material that he operates with and works to establish his church that he said he would build was humanity. He's not looking for lumber. He's not looking for brick, stone, and mortar. He's looking for people. He built this that he said he would do. I will build something that hell cannot stop. And that something will have authority and power in the earth. 
to bind and loose. I will build it. Now, the title to this message a couple weeks ago was It's Obvious How the Work is Going. And so, I want you to, I want you to see how it all starts coming together. With all the construction that's going on in our area right now, isn't it interesting how you can drive down the road and see a for sale sign on a piece of property and before long the sign is gone and, or it'll say sold and then the sign is gone and you see equipment move in and, and dirt's being moved around and, and before long there, you, you see some concrete trucks showing up and, and things are being poured, footers are being poured and, and this whole process and another week or two goes by and, and you see lumber going there and it's being dropped off, a lumber package and then you see all of... You see framing happening. And as weeks and months go by, you, you see progression. You see building. You see something established that was not there just a few months ago. It, it, it was, the potential was there, but nothing was happening because no work was going on. When there's no work going on, then the land just stays bare. And it stays as it is, waiting for work to start. All right? But as weeks and months go by, what wasn't there now is there. And you drive by like, I can't believe they just built a neighborhood there. I can't believe they just put that uh, clinic there. I can't believe that they just put that mall there. I can't believe all this retail that's there. It wasn't there. I remember it. You said it just like me. I used to drive down these roads and they were two lane. I remember out here when there wasn't anything. And now, oh, there were just horse farms out here. And now look at all of this stuff. You say it, I say it. It's obvious that work is going on. It's obvious that something has happened. Now, I want you to see this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correlate the two as we move on in the message. And that is... If you're the material that he's working with and I'm material that he's working with to establish his church, to build a church that has authority and power that hell cannot prevail against, then people ought to be able to observe our lives over a period of time and say what wasn't there in the past is there now because some work has been going on. I'm not the same person that I used to be. I'm not the same individual that I used to be. And the reason is, it's like when you were a child, he's still working on me, making me what I ought to be. The song, okay? He's working on my life. I want you to see that it's, he's building his church. He didn't say there, that I'm going to uh, employ a lot of other opinions of people. He said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build it the way I want to build it and with the material I want to use and with the events and circumstances of life that I choose. So he's working on us. And this is, a, this is a project that I'll just go ahead and tell you will never end. <laughs> because until he comes back after the church, he's going to be working on the church. And, and you may be at this place in your walk with God, but he's going to find new material to, to add as time goes by. And people that haven't had those years and 
months and decades of him working, and he's going to find new material and say, well, I think I want to add this to our church, and I want to add that to our church, and I want to take this material, and somebody walks in for the first time, and he starts working on them, like he started working on us to blend us all together and make us what he wants us to be in the earth today. And that's the way, and that's the way it happens. So building, building denotes activity, Okay? Something's going on. It's not there dormant with nothing happening. There's activity that is taking place, and that activity has a purpose attached to it. Um, When I first started building way back when, I knew very little about uh, construction. I, I, I had a little bit of experience because of family members that were involved in construction and all kinds of different things, and, and I took wood shop when I was in middle school, and I took metal shop, and I built my mom a, a lamp, and I don't even know if it still exists somewhere, but I, 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 I'm trying to tell you, I knew nothing, okay? I knew very, very little, and I, I'm thrust into building a home because of circumstances that happened, and I literally had to learn how to read plans. And so I hired some guys that were great uh, carpenters, and I'm, not, and I'm not throwing off on them at all. It was just the part of the country we were living in and, and uh, where they were raised and things that, that were illiterate, they couldn't read, but they were master craftsmen when it came to construction. They could build anything, but they couldn't read So it thrust me into learning to read the blueprint to tell them we're building a wall right here and it's going to extend from there to there and it needs to be a two-by-six wall or a two-by-four wall and it's got to have this and we got a door opening there and it's going to be swinging. I I had to learn to look at plans and read the plans so I could construct a house through hired labor that couldn't read the plans but could build anything that I, that I said, We're, this goes here and that goes there. And, and as long as I was there able to read the plans, we were able to build the house. So looking at those plans, it was interesting because turning the pages, you saw the elevation of the house. You saw what it's supposed to look like in the end. <laughs> Right now, it's the side of a hill, and, and you're wondering, is anything going to come out of this, and what are we going to do, and what have I gotten myself into? And, but I, I could see the final picture. This is, what it's, this, Holly, this is what it's supposed to look like. It doesn't look like that now, but one day, if I can keep turning these pages and adding these things and learning to read all of this, then, then we can get to this. So it's, it's not just get a bunch of wood and go out in the middle of nowhere and start nailing things together and then one day it's going to be what the church is. He has a blueprint. I'm trying to tell you. He has a blueprint of what he wants it to be and how he wants it to look and the way he wants it to be represented. But he's turning pages over here, adding to our lives. We're not all there yet, but he's headed. So there's activity that's going on with a purpose. There's a purpose in mind. And when you're building as he was talking about here, then you want to know what the end result is going to be and what the final picture is supposed to look like. And it's going to take time to get through it all. So so construction 
And constructing things is something that takes time. Touch your neighbor and say, thank God for that. Man, wouldn't we all be in trouble if it was something that was just supposed to be automatic? People that think it's automatic are people that have no construction experience. And I don't think you can be a good pastor without construction experience. Because if you try, you get frustrated wanting everything to be done yesterday. And you want everything to be taken care of 10 years ago. You want it to go from walk-in, flat piece of property, to when you walk out, the whole structure is established. It doesn't happen that way. Depending on what you're building, square footage and challenges that come along and, and all, the intricate details could be months and years involved. You know, it took seven years for Solomon to construct the temple of God. It didn't happen overnight. I mean, let's talk about temples and tabernacles and things. They didn't just say, okay, let's go get some badgers and throw this thing up tomorrow, get all the skins together. It took months for them to construct everything that God said I want in the tabernacle. This is the way I want it to be built. They didn't just run to Walmart and pick up a tent and take, go out in the wilderness and pop it up and say, it's done. It took time to build that, to collect the material. Look at the example of Noah. Noah heard from God and started building an ark that took him over a hundred years to finish. He didn't hear from God and, and tomorrow the ark was done. It took decades to go harvest the wood and pull it out of the forest and get it down to where they were Every rough-hewned material. All of these things. So when you talk about the temple, you talk about the tabernacle, you're talking about places where God dwells, places where God said, I'll meet you. It didn't happen overnight. It took time. And thus the church. It isn't something that is ready-made that just happens from one service, the beginning of one service to the end of that service. He's working on our lives. He's adding things, changing things, adjusting things. Putting us together, a church takes time to establish. And, and, and this, is what, this is what we see, that in constructing things, there's, there's time. There's, there's, there's times when it seems like you're moving full steam ahead, and then there's times where it seems like everything slows down to a crawl. I mean, it's exciting when you're framing and you frame a house in a few days and get it all up there, but it's a different story when you get move inside and start trying to do the finish work. Doesn't go up because what can just what you can use a, uh, a you know um, some kind of uh, wood that may have a bow or nails that are lar a lot larger and various things saws that don't have precision blades on them to just do rough cuts and get the framing up. When you move inside and you're trying to do trim work, you can't use the same kind of guns. You can't use the same kind of material. You can't fly through things. You have to literally measure stuff all the way down to the 16th and 30 seconds of things. You're not just sawing stuff up and say, oh yeah, the, the sheet rockers will cover that up. Well, they can cover that up, but if you're doing trim work, nobody's covering the trim work up. Everybody's going to see it. So you may move real fast in some parts of construction, 
And that's kind of frustrating if you built, then you're, you're ready for, man, we're going to get this thing done. And then all of a sudden it hits a place where you're down to a slow crawl. That's, that's construction. I want you to see this, okay? I'm deliberately taking my time because I want you to understand that when He invests in our lives, this is not a sprint to God. He's not trying to get you from square one to the next step just in whew, hit the nitrous and you're there. Sometimes you go through days and weeks and months where it feels like very little is being accomplished. But it could be the smallest adjustments that will be the most visible in the end. Then there's other times that, man, this is great. Living for God's awesome. You come to church and you're on cloud nine and then you hit a wall. And you're just holding on. You're just doing your best to stand your ground as weeks go by. I don't want you to be frustrated in that process. I want you to understand that it's all part of Him building His church. He's the builder, not me. He's the builder. Not you. He's the one that is constructing this. We, when we built, we would carve out four months, six months, nine months of our life uh, on each house that we built. And Lisa and I would invest our time there, 16 and 18 hours a day for months and months and months and months on end. And that, that was a priority because we knew it would take time. And every project that I've ever been involved in is active, it's ever-changing, it's evolving. You leave one day and everything is like this. You come back tomorrow and everything you thought it was has now changed and you have to make new decisions and you have to try to find new materials and you have to adjust and you got to find a new sub and you got to do all this stuff because it's ever-evolving and changing through the process. It's the way it goes. But here's what I found. When building is happen, happening, you have to be present. You have to be present not only physically there. I had to be on the job every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. But I had to be mentally and emotionally and all present also. Because I had to make decisions that were going to either lead us away from the final result that we were intended for or make decisions that would help me align the, the, the construction that was going on with the desired end result. And sometimes there's no warning. You know, it's one, it's, I can tell you when you have thousands of dollars invested and you're dealing with someone who is, say, uh, an electrical contractor and they're doing all the things in the house as far as electric is concerned, and, and you know you have, you've got to come right behind them and you've got a lot of insulating to do and you've got plumbing that's going through those same walls and then I've got drywall coming and I've got all this stuff that it, there's, a, there's a process and there's an order. I can't move to the next thing until somebody's done over here and if somebody's not done over here and they're dragging their feet there, it's holding everything else up and, and this construction loan that I have out is causing me the interest on those payments as I'm having to wait and I can't get my next draw to pay everybody else that's waiting because I got some one guy over here that's holding everybody up and I've got lumber companies and I've got, I got, I'm going to have to pay them and I got other 
contract, I got to pay them and I got to work that, but I can't get my next draw until I get this amount of work done and an inspection and I've got, so I know what it's like to stand on a driveway and look at a guy that I really liked and said, today's your last day on this job. I'm not, I can't wait on you anymore. You're costing me thousands and you're costing every other person that I have hired. So you're fired today. Get your stuff. You know, it was months later, years later, that that same guy showed up at my church that I fired. <laughs> and when I saw him bury, I didn't really know how it was going to go down at church. Because <laughs> the last time we talked, I had to fire him from the job. He walked up to me with tears in his eyes and he said, Oh, I want to apologize to you. For what? He said, you remember the house deal? If you, yeah, I remember that. He said, I didn't tell you, but I was strung out. I'm an addict. He said, I not only lost your job, I lost my whole business. He was a great contractor. He did incredible work. He said, I got strung out. He said, my wife OD'd in my arms right after that. He said, I lost everything. And he said, that day that you let me go was a wake-up call. Because I realized where I was. And he told me the story of getting into rehab and his life turning around and things better. And somehow, somebody invited him to church and he ends up at my church to see me and say, hey, I apologize. You never know. You're always dealing with stuff. Sometimes you hit those places in your spiritual life. You're, everything's good and everything's wonderful, and all of a sudden it's like, man, where did this storm come from? Don't give up. Don't quit. He's still working on you. Don't, 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 don't abandon the process. Let God keep working in your life. He said, I will build my church. I will build my church church. It's, it's ever-changing and evolving and things are, I'm having to make adjustments and, 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 but I have to be present, constantly watching out for this happening and that happening, adding things, making adjustments. But let me show you in Ephesians 2, as I go further in the scripture for a moment here, Ephesians 2, 10 says, for we are His workmanship. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God ordained before you ever started. Remember when I was talking about those appointments earlier in the service? God ordained things about your life that hasn't even developed yet. There's things, ordinations in your life that God chose you for and chose it for you. And maybe you haven't gotten there yet. The only way to arrive at those ordained things is to let Him work on your life. Let Him adjust things and add things and remove things and, and, and contribute to your life. And sometimes it's fast and sometimes it's slow and sometimes there's things to celebrate and at other times you're just kind of on the bottom just doing your best to hang on but we are his workmanship he is taking the material of my life and working with it and adjusting it and doing whatever he has to do and it says we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works 
Remember, ultimately, the doctrine, all these things we've been talking about, will lead us to good works. What I didn't do before, I start doing now because He's working on me. What I thought, and I came, I can tell you my personal story. Coming to Him, there were many things that I would set my foot down and say, I'll never do that. How many knows that's the wrong thing to say? It's, it's just the wrong thing to say on, on any level. I will never do that because my mother used to tell me, don't say you'll never do that because that may be exactly what you get to do. And oh, how true that's been in many areas. Now I don't, I don't say that as much. <laughs> I say things like, I hope I don't have to. <laughs> but when you... I'm never going to do that. You first come to God and you say, I'm never going to act like some people. I'm never going to do those things. And God starts working on you. And before long, you end up doing the very thing that you said you were never going to do. But instead of uh, out of resentment or resistance, now you're doing it out of joy and love because God has motivated you to start doing those things. Because He's working. You're His work. He's, he's addressing the things in your life. As we go on, you're seeing His workmanship for what? What is He working on me for? For good works which He ordained for me to walk in. He's working on me so I can do good things and walk in what He's ordained for my life. Now, the 19th verse of that same chapter in Ephesians 2, it says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. So you're not an outsider, you're an insider, okay? You're an insider. You're, you're fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Do you see this? He's the chief cornerstone of this project in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So he, he's building the church as a place to inhabit. To inhabit through His Spirit. So He brings us all together and He works on us individually and He establishes a place where He can dwell in the midst of the people. And, and, he, and He uses the verbiage, the building fitly framed together. Fitly framed together. Get this. He's not throwing this together. He's not just, I think this might work. Let's give this a try over here. The worst thing, I, I was in a building project one time and I had an inspector that came out and we had constructed a set of stairs from a basement into uh, uh, an upper main living area. And um, we constructed it according to the plans and according to the codes of that particular county. And an inspector came out to look at that and he, he flagged us on these, on these stairs and he said, no, this isn't right. And uh, you're going to have to tear these stairs out and redo these stairs. So... Uh, the last thing you want to do is get on the bad side of an inspector. So 
Uh, it costs money, it costs time, and all the things. So we tear these stairs out, and we start working, and we rebuild these stairs, and, and uh, we tear out some sheetrock that's above, and we take a header down that certain uh, width, and we take it down a little bit to kind of give us some room to, to meet all the codes and, and rebuild everything, put it back together, call for another inspection after some time, and, and a different inspector shows up than the one that came previously. And, and he flags us on, oh, I, can't, I can't approve this. And we're like, wait a minute. I had an inspector out here several days, weeks ago. This is what he said he wanted us to do. We redid this whole thing, and uh, now you're telling us that it's wrong. And he said, well, I can't, I, you know, I'm not going to give you uh, an approval on this. You're going to have to redo it. So we redid it a second time. So now we're taking a header down from you know, two by eight or whatever down to a two by six, and then we're going to have to shave it on down to a two by four, and, and you're losing strength above, and there's a floor above, and all this stuff is going on. And so we tear it all down, redo it again, and, and call out an inspector, and they come out and say, we're not going to do it. And I said, wait a minute, okay, this is, this is the last time I'm building this stair. Do you, you guys understand that? And whatever you have to do to go back and get with the other inspector and come back out here, I'm not building this stair, these stairs one more time. Because you and him have to get on the same page. Because you're telling me one thing and he's telling me another thing and you're costing me money and time and effort and, and, and you're going to really subject the house to, to some of the strength issues because of all of this that's going on. And, it's all, and it was literally down to because of where one inspector was pulling the tape to the front of a tread where the other one was pulling the tape to the back of the tread. And a matter of inches is now costing me thousands. And I said, well, I, I, I appreciate you coming out here, but I'm telling you right now, I'm not tearing it out again. So you guys go work it out. Go figure out who's right and who's wrong, because one of you's right and one of you's wrong. And I built it like both of you have said, and now you both... <laughs> I probably shouldn't have been so rough. Because it was on those stairs that I broke this thumb right here. <laughs> and had to have surgery on this thumb. Putting those treads in. Late on a Saturday night. Having church the next morning. It was cold. It was December. And I was treading, I was nailing in a tread in the back and caught the, the tread right above it and caused the hammer to glance off, smash my finger. And so the Lord helped me to change my attitude. And I had a man in the church that was hired and he was helping me late that night in the dark and in the cold. And he said later, Pastor, I knew that you really loved God when you hit your thumb. He said, because you jumped all over the garage holding your thumb and walking around. He said, you didn't say anything bad. He said, I was really proud of you. I and I said, well, Bill, I got to tell you something. It wasn't because I didn't think it. I, I, was, just trying, I was just trying to be good. Just, just trying to make it to heaven. That's all. <laughs> It's life. These things happen. But you get to places where, where, where everything seems frustrating and it's workmanship and, it, and it's adjustments and I thought it was supposed to be like that and you have to tear it all down and rebuild something else. Well, I thought this was going to work out. He's working on us, Cindy. He's working on us. We didn't walk in here perfect. We didn't walk in and everything was just right. He's, oh, I can use just that. Jared, just like you are. I'm going to no. He said, Jared, I got to adjust this and I got to adjust that because I want this thing to be fitly framed together. You never knew Barry. Barry didn't know Jared. Holly didn't know Tori. Tori didn't know Cindy. Come on. God said, I want this thing to be on. I, I want this. 
to be fitly framed together. So I got to adjust this and move that so this can be fitly framed together, not just thrown together. Not where it's just, well, anything goes, it doesn't really matter. It does matter to God. Everything else in the Scripture mattered to God. Why wouldn't the church matter to God? It's the most important thing. He gave His life. Jesus Christ gave His life for the church. It matters to Him how we interact. It matters how we come into unity together. It matters how we fellowship together. It matters how we grow together. It matters. This is the church. Let's stand together. I got to quit. I, 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 got, I got more to go, but I'm going to stop right there. We are builded together for His dwelling place. We are built together for a place that He can come and abide. So He can show up among us. Have you ever been a guest in a place where you made it work, but you were really not comfortable there? Come on, let me see your hands. I mean, you don't have to say it was your family. You don't have to say it was your in-laws. You don't have to say it was your kids. You don't have to say it was your parents. Just a place. (laughs) I've been in places as a guest where I just didn't feel comfortable. I made it work, okay? I made it work because I knew it wouldn't last long. I made it work because I knew it would only be a day or two. But when I come home, it's my bed, my stuff, my pillow, my, my temperature, my, you know what I'm talking about? My, my kind of food in the refrigerator. My schedule, my time, my environment. And you know what? You can just kind of get in there and say, I'm going to stay here a while. I'm just glad to be home. That's the way God feels. When He looks at a situation and says, I want to inhabit that. I I want to live there. I want to be there. But why do we make Him feel like a guest so much that we're just trying to force Him into what pleases us? rather than letting him put it together the way he wants. So when he moves in, he's not looking to leave. He moves in, he said, I think I just want to stay right there. It just feels right. When it's, when it's about him, that's what happens. You just adjust your life and you let him keep working and you let him keep adding. Because this is his, we are his workmanship. It's a place for him to dwell. It's the church. Gave his life. You're part of it. And it's obvious how the work is going. Either you're progressing in him, or you stop somewhere, or like I told you two weeks ago, finally just quit working and they put a chain link fence around it, and people start spray painting and tagging the building, and the grass starts growing up, and you know that no work is being done. And what could have been isn't. Now you're, it's in disarray, decay. I don't want my life to be that way. I want my life to be 
moving toward Him and Him growing and adding. And, and it's obvious. It's obvious how the work is going. Father, right now, I pray for every person in this house and under the sound of my voice today. That God, you know where we are, you know where we come from, and you know the issues of our life, and you know the willingness that's there, and, and even some of the hesitation that's there. But God, you're not afraid of any of those things, and you chose us, you picked us out, raw material, raw material that you could work with, God. And you, you made us a part of a body that's so much bigger and greater than us, God. And we're just a part and a piece of that, Lord. And, and I want to make sure that, that, that I'm contributing the way that you want me to contribute, God, in all of this. And, and that, Lord, my life is yielded to you so you can continue to work and build on us and change us that ultimately you can inhabit, Lord, this place. And, God, we would become what you want us to become. I pray for every guest. I pray for every regular attender. I pray for every member here. I pray for each person that's here today, God. You know where we are. You know what's going on in our lives. And I just, I pray for your leading and your guiding and your help in every one of our situations. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus.